Hi, this is Dr. Steve Vargo, Optometric Practice Management Consultant with IDOC, and this is the latest IDOC Focal Point Podcast. And I've got the pleasure of talking with Dr. Chris May today. Dr. May is an IDOC member, and we're going to be discussing how to make dry eye treatment a bigger part of the service component of your practice. And Dr. May is a, a little background on him. He's a graduate of Southern College of Optometry, and he completed a residency in ocular disease, as well as his fellowship with the American Academy of Optometry. Uh, Chris was a center director for West Tennessee Eye Care and team eye care provider for both the Memphis Grizzlies and the St. Louis Cardinals AAA affiliate, the Memphis Redbirds. And Chris owns a group private practice now with three locations in North Mississippi. And he currently serves as adjunct and guest faculty at Southern College of Optometry. And easily, my favorite part is he's head cook for the, the competition barbecue team, the Memphis Squeal and Pitmaster of the Moody Cues. That's awesome. Uh, seventh place overall winner in pork shoulder at the 2018 World Championship barbecue competition. So um, much congratulations to all those honors, Chris. And thanks for uh, taking a few minutes to talk with us today. Thanks a lot for having me. So it's a, a lot sure. more interesting to talk barbecue than eyes in a lot of cases. I, I'm relatively new to the South, and I, I appreciate that more than I would have when I lived up North. So I am, I am <laughs> honestly impressed by your accomplishments in that area. So, yeah. So, um, Chris, we can jump right in here. The uh, on the uh, the topic of dry eye, you and I talked a while back. I guess maybe it was about a month or so ago, and you said something interesting interesting to me at the time, where I think a lot of us think of dry eye in optometric circles in terms of having this, what we may have come to view as a dry eye clinic or a dry eye model as somewhat of a separate component of a typical optometric practice. And if I recall, your um, suggestion at the time was that it, it, we might have reached a time where we need to move past this, uh, this need to have dry eye as a subspecialty and something that more ODs should integrate into their routine care, that perhaps we've uh, hit a point where the barrier to entry was lower and more ODs should be uh, just making this a, a standard component of what they offer. Uh, did I get that right? And, and could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree that, that dry eye is important for a handful of different reasons. Uh, fundamentally, and I can get a little passion on this, a little preachy, but dry, dry eye care is primary eye care. Number one, just because of just how many patients we have with dry eye. I mean, it's they don't always come in and say, I have dry eye. They may know that it's fluctuating vision or watery eyes. That's always the hard one to, to get them to understand. Or that they do feel drier. It's itchy or scratchy. There's a million different ways that we hear this, whether they're contact lens dropouts or, or patients that are truly coming in and saying, I'm dry and I'm miserable. But it, I think we've made, made it to a point where you don't really have to be a specialized dry eye center with hundreds of thousand dollars of, of equipment and, and you know, these novel kind of off-the-wall techniques. I think it's become a lot more mainstream, which is outstanding because that lets us increase our, our patient access. It lets us make a really big difference in, in our patients' lives. Rather than you know making the referral and they go well I never really made it there or I went there and they gave me some stuff but I never went back you know or this feeling that I'm losing a patient if I refer it rather than it being as collegial as it is ideally uh, would be 
But I think the biggest part there is that we spend all our time in private practice at the moment uh, waiting for the sky to fall, talking about these market disruptions and online sales, and we're working to differentiate what we do, and there's all this other competition, and we're not looking at probably you know, one of our most common pathologies that's widely present, that's really impacting vision, that's really driving patients crazy, and we're going, wait a minute, I can, I can own this space. I know how to do this. Our tools are so much better than they were before. Then in a lot of cases, I think a lot of us didn't pick them up because they were maybe not that great of an experience. You know, you told a patient to, I don't know, put a hot rag on your eye. I mean, that's not very, doesn't feel very professional. Or we tried treatments that maybe didn't work or very expensive. Or, or if we tried uh, pharmaceutical treatments where it was like, well, it, it worked, but it didn't work as well as we wanted or something changed or you know, the, this gets really complicated. And there's a lot of reasons it became fatiguing and it caused us to sit all the tools back down and go, you know what, maybe dry eye is something I just kind of handle when I have to or that I'm going to go send to someone else. I think it's become something that every single one of us should uh, and will find a key uh, to positively impact our practices and our patients. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think maybe sometimes we overestimate the barrier to entry in the, in the dry eye space. So for the doctor that is looking at at integrating this into the practice and using or making this a, a larger component of, of their offerings, what kind of investment would they have to make on, on behalf of the, the practice? Because, you know, I like to say every, everybody who graduates optometry school is technically uh, a dry eye expert relative to the general population. We just know more than the average person knows about dry eye. It's, it's a big component of the education that we get. But, but then again, there's some practices that have done a better job than others in really marketing and branding that and maybe even going beyond that to get that superior level of knowledge around around dry eye. So from that standpoint, what kind of investment would you tell a, a practice that maybe doesn't have that as a, a larger component of their practice at this time, but wanted to gain the, um, wanted to build their brand around that and, and develop the knowledge? What kind of technology would they need to invest in? What kind of marketing would they need to do? Um, interested in your thoughts on that. I think you hit on a couple of key things right there. So there's there's knowledge, technology, and marketing. And those are that's a three-step process. So I think initially, probably starting out with that knowledge base. Are you where you want to be? Do you know what you need to know? Do we need to go to a couple of seminars to, to feel like you need to bring yourself up to speed? But in most cases, I think... ODs do something really unique where we tend to sell our knowledge portion really short. And it's one of the few professions to do that. You know, it's it's August in the South at the moment. And if my air conditioner goes out and uh, and I call the air conditioner man, he's not going to show up and, and then tell me, hey, I'm not going to charge you for that. That really was pretty easy. I know a lot about air conditioning. Um, and, and frankly, I don't really care what he charges. If it's 105 and he makes the, the cool off in here, I'm happy. Um, so we get into this situation and we go, well, I understand dry eye. That wasn't very hard for me to do. So we kind of devalue what we're doing for patients here. And I think that's an important place first and foremost is to appreciate the knowledge that you have. Uh, and then if, if it feels a little incomplete, maybe build that up a little bit if necessary. There is a ton of information out right now. Uh, I, I mean, you can go through as much as you would like to read uh, when it comes to do's and do's too. And all the publications, there's a lot out here. We have you know, from pharmaceuticals to procedures, there's, there's a million options. So make yourself aware of what's there. 
But I think that knowledge part is, can be an easy entry into the pool, you know, because it, it raises your confidence. It lets you kind of ease in and take those patients because you know you've got them. I mean, none of us go, well, I just don't have dry eye patients. I don't, there's none here. You know, so let's let's manage the, the level one one, so to speak, and, and get that uh, mantra, get comfortable with it, get it where you're, you're going there. Make sure you're comfortable in where the billing is going to be and how this is going to work. And I think that automatically will start some of the, the marketing part because when you're making patients happier, the first thing that happens is they tell other people, which is wonderful. So, I mean, that means that you get this kind of grassroots marketing that can begin, again, laying a firm foundation there. Now, equipment, this is one of those places where I have trouble because I am a nerd. Hey, I'm a tech guy. I love toys. And I have a tendency to maybe find something that's cool and I jump in whole hog, uh, to use the barbecue parlance here, and maybe I go in a little too deep. You know, And we want to make sure that we can recover costs here. But very simply, to get started, I mean, you don't have to spend a penny. You've got you know, sodium fluorescein and lysamine and a slit lamp, you're ready to go. And you have your brain and you're ready to talk to a patient. Now, where we get a little bit deeper into that it is as if you do build it as something where you're differentiating and standing alone. Now, that's where it can get a little bit interesting. So, you know, is it a place where you want to add osmolarity into your practice as part of your workflow? But that, I think, needs to become a want. If you get it because you feel like you have to have it, or you feel like you're being told it's needed, that's not the same thing as being passionate and driven and, and using that data as a useful tool. You know, we've all had the piece of equipment that we're excited about, and when you do that, we tend to be really successful with them. We've also bought something, and then you kind of got there and used it a couple times and sat it in the corner, and I think that creates a bad feeling, a negative for you. So I think instrumentation is is a little bit of a scale when you really realize how deep this problem is, how much you enjoy intervening in it, how much positive can come from your patients. Uh, and then I think we also have uh, procedures aspects here. So there's there's a lot, if you're starting to get into mybomography and, and actually lid treatments and this other, where you can go another step into it. And again, depending a lot on what's around you. You know, if you're, I'm in a rural area, there's not a lot of people around me doing a, a lot of intervention therapy. So for us, it's a great differentiation point in a place where we can bring some some treatments available to our patients we couldn't have brought any other way. To the other aspect of that is if you're sitting, you know, in the middle of a very metro area with a lot of dry eye specialty centers around you, you may choose to take that a little bit lighter and you're only going to handle the first, second level patients. And you may decide to refer uh, to a colleague for certain treatments or certain evaluations. Do you find that you, as far as growing the dry eye segment, you said something before that maybe there's this perception that I don't have a lot of dry eye patients internally, but maybe we just have a lot of dry eye patients we haven't identified. But, but that being said, have you grown your dry eye practice, we'll say, more internally or externally? You, you, obviously, you're identifying those patients internally, but you also brought up the word of mouth aspect. So again, for someone looking to build that component of their practice, where have you found more success? Internal marketing for us has been the absolute most amazing growth point that you can have. It's like on the deflection point. It grows so rapidly. Um, even just the absolute easiest way where patients are sitting in the waiting room, you know, and talking to each other because that's what they do. And, you know, the same way that is, you know, as we get older, what do we do? We sit around and talk about our medicines and our surgeries. So I think that 
aspect of it. It is internal marketing, but it will inherently become external because happy patients tell other patients what's gone well for them. Uh, also, everyone knows someone who's having trouble. It's, it's interesting the number of times you'll talk to someone and you're treating them and you know, you know these eyes are pretty dry. We're going to have to work on some things. Let's do this and do that. And they'll go, oh, my sister has just the worst dry eyes. And you know, she uses her Visine like six, eight times a day, and it just doesn't seem to help her. So there is an external element to that where you're going, oh, wait, we can that. I know I can do better than Visine six times a day. So as we're trying to find a way to go, let's explain what these tiers are doing. Let's explain what we can do externally. Let's explain what we're doing. That little bit of education goes a long way. I do think there is an external element. A lot of patients don't realize that they are dry. They think this is just how it feels. And I do think a lot of them don't realize how much better our tools are because they say, well, I talked to my eye doctor five or six years ago about it. They gave me some stuff. I put the stuff in my eyes. I didn't really feel any better, and I haven't tried anything since. And, of course, the technology is advanced. And so we got to teach them about what we have. And that's a place where, you know, from a social media standpoint, telling Tell your patients what you're using and why you're using it. Hey, I'm really excited about this new device I'm using for our evaluation or this new camera that we're using to teach you this or this new treatment that we're using. They love that, and they love our passion. And if you're passionate about it, it's going to have a more positive result. Yeah, it's interesting how you said that some people don't even recognize it as a problem. And, and I do think there's a component there where some people have dealt with dry eye and the, the symptoms of dry eye for so long that it's their normal that they just blink a lot and, and my eyes are watery and I have to peel my contacts out when I get home from work. So sometimes from a, our ability to have any kind of influence over other people and getting them to take that next step uh, if from a treatment standpoint is being able to, to shine a spotlight on the problem. Cause a lot of times people, I think is what you're saying that they don't really recognize a problem or they don't see it as a problem until they recognize it as a problem. So I, I think we can have some, uh, impact there as well as part of the education process to let people know that's not normal. I used to get that with patients too, is they would kind of dismiss their itchy eyes. They would dismiss the burning. And I would look at them and say, you don't have to live like that. Do you want some help with that? And, and you know, sometimes they just kind of laugh back and in a joking way, but it helps open the discussion for treatments and, and other options for being able to get through their day without those problems. You said something before about, you know, this, uh, the ability to start treating more dry eye costs nothing, basically, to at least get into that, that area and, and start building some, uh, you know, kind of a brand around that. Internally, though, treating the patients, I, I, when we talked before, you mentioned sort of a, I think you described it as a step therapy in treating dry eye. I think there are some doctors that probably take an overly conservative approach to dry eye. Here's some eye drops. Try those out. Let me know if you have any problems and call me if you need anything else and nobody ever calls back. But there's perhaps an overly aggressive approach to dry eye as well, where somebody comes in for a wellness exam, isn't quite ready to, to take, this big, um, take this big leap in terms of all these other tests and all these other treatments that you want to do around their dry eye. So you mentioned last time a sort of a step therapy in treating dry eye, starting with a conservative approach and stepping up care if that's not successful. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely key, I think, if you want to call it to successful dry eye management. And one thing to, to kind of point out is exactly to your point. We're not trying to go through and run a report 
on our patient base and pull everybody you've ever diagnosed as dry eye. Because honestly, that's going to miss who we're talking about in that stepwise therapy. You're looking at the patients that are probably not dry eye patients, right? They're contact lens dropouts or patients that are in for exams with other problems or they don't recognize it as an issue yet. Uh, I do exactly what you were talking about quite a bit. We're asking the question is like, you know, are you noticing this? Yep. It's like, okay, well, are you noticing it or is it bothering you? And I think that's kind of an interesting differentiation point to know when they're asking, you know, do you want to really start solving this problem or not? And they go, eh, no, it's not really a thing yet. I'm there. So what I'm doing there is kind of planting seeds, even in a, what I would even call a non-treatment patient. So I'm not intervening yet, but I'm reminding them, hey, I can handle this. This is a place where we can do this. And if you just throw the patient some of whatever tear you have in the drawer and tell them to use this whenever it's needed, you know, that's like telling somebody to put on sunscreen after they're sunburned. They're going to get this impression that this stuff doesn't seem to work at all. And then also we commoditized not only their care, but we commoditized our knowledge and we're minimizing their symptoms. Whereas if you're actively teaching a patient that it's like, hey, here's what I'm seeing in you. Uh, when I'm looking at your eyelids, you know, your oil glands are doing something and you teach them just a little bit. Let's talk about why heat might help that and why this drop is a little bit better than that drop. Because uh, otherwise, when they get to the store and they see all of these options and they've left their coupon in the chair as they walked out of the room and they get there and they're going to buy the cheapest thing that they see. And more than likely, that is not going to be what we need for their system. So if we're explaining the treatment, why it's the best treatment for them, why our knowledge and our examination that we did matters, and then we can differentiate our care. And that also sets us up for success as that continuum increases. So they're coming back going, you know, I, I did. I tried that after you talked last time, and I used it some, and I found myself using it a whole lot more. And let's say the seasons change, and they're going. And, and frankly, it's winter. It's gotten cold again. The heat's running all the time. The air's running, and I'm miserable. Is there anything else that we can do? And that's an easy segue and buy-in from patient compliance compared to the opposite side, as you were saying, where you're telling the patient, "This is what's wrong with you," and they're going, "Nah, no, nah, I'm fine." And so, and that's a much more difficult thing to do. So we're planting seeds and we're starting up that continuum. But I think explaining to the patient what we see, why we're recommending what we're recommending, does not have to be deep into the pool. Again, easing into this to where we're comfortable, they're comfortable, but also we're setting our, ourselves up for success. And also, I mean, I think as our practices age, your patient demographic and their pathology ages too. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of us, if you've got young myopic practices, uh, yeah, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, what are you doing? I'm doing a lot of contacts and everybody's happy and everybody loves me and they think these are the best things ever. And it, it's funny, you look up 20 years later and your patients are coming back and going, hey, my near vision in these contacts isn't very good and these things feel terrible at the end of the day. I'm peeling them out of my eyes, like you said. Going, oh, wait, I can handle that. So I think if we're setting ourselves up for success, even if it's not the dry eye practice of today, it is the dry eye management of tomorrow. Yeah, and, and there's reach with this, too, because that's one area I, I continually found, even with contact lenses, is that the persistent and most consistent complaint would be around discomfort, and, and a lot of that obviously was tied to dryness. And so many people would come in that either were unsatisfied with contacts or had wanted to drop out of contacts or had dropped out of contacts, and it shifted to the discussion to treating the dry eyes. So there's that, you know, contact lens is still a, a huge component of, of most practices. So again, being able to market yourself as a, 
um, you know, even as a dry expert, goes beyond that to be, you know, I tell some doctors, hey, be the be the doctor that fixes the problems that other people couldn't. And contact lenses are a great example because I would get people all the time who said, well, I gave up on contacts because they were they're always dry and my doctor just gave me some drops. Well, you know, let's peel back the layers a little bit because if you can help that person, you'll have a loyal patient for life. You've just gone above and beyond for, for that person. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, lastly here, I, I'm just curious your thoughts on maybe from a more macro level, because uh, you mentioned this last time as well, some changes that you uh, anticipate potentially seeing in the area of insurance coverage for dry eye services. And also, where are we going with the public perception of dry eye? Because I think we've come a long way as optometrists, but we still have that perception not as much as before, but I think it's still there of the the glasses and contact lenses. And then some people will uh, be kind of surprised when they find out that their optometrist treats things beyond or does things beyond just prescribing glasses and contact lenses. No, we actually do quite a bit more in terms of the medical side of eye care. So curious your thoughts on that, probably the insurance standpoint and then just the public perception standpoint. I think to immediately start out with that public perception. I think that is a place where we can we can jump off and you could probably do an entire other conversation there because it is a place where we we need to take ownership of primary eye care. And and that is a place that is not glasses and contacts and commodities. It is it's care. It's where when something happens, whether it's for the patient or their child or for whatever it is, it, that they immediately when they think of eye care, they come to you. I mean how many times have you had a patient come back in and they're going, Oh yeah, and I, I had an eye infection about a month ago and you're Wait, what? I didn't see a month ago. And like, oh yeah, uh, we went to the little the dock in the box place, the new one, and they gave us some drops, and it sort of helped. And you know, my expression on that one is usually, it's like, look, let's, if you have a heart attack, don't come here. But if it's eyes, that's what I do. And so, if you have an eye problem, let's do an eye doctor, because without a microscope, you just don't know what you're doing. That's and so, we need to be able to see a little bit deeper to make sure that we're we're making the right decisions. And a lot of patients still, it is amazing the number of responses we get to go, oh, you guys do that. <sighs> Boy, we still we've come a long way, and we got a long way to go. But I, I think dry eye management is a place that's been evolving really rapidly this last couple of years. I mean, if we're looking at, at our pharmaceutical options and how that's expanded patient awareness and understanding that there are interventions to dry eye, um, I think that's a huge, huge opportunity. And we've got better tools than we've ever had. I think we have better over-the-counter options that we have have ever had. I mean, our over-the-counters are pretty complex. Um, the good news of that is that we have more tools. The bad thing about that is that means that patients sometimes find the wrong thing. You know, so if you have a, a lipid issue, we need to be oil-based and they may not be doing that and vice versa. So there, there's good results and and I think good opportunities in evaluating and education patients to use those tools and really pull that through to patient success, but also them understanding that we're there for them. And like you said, want the extra mile and they're a patient for life. On the other side of that, from the insurance standpoint, is we're 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 getting a point where there's quite a bit of patient frustration with high copays and medications or high costs or the within the practitioners where we're getting you know constant pharmacy callbacks or swap overs. The patient changes insurances and all of a sudden you have to redo everything again. Uh, the the process I call PA fatigue, where it's just we see that PA and we go, never mind, you're not that bad. And that's that's a barrier to the patient getting the best care that they need. 
And that's a place where we do have to find a way to handle this. Uh, I think it is also a place where we will see more novel treatments come through as we look at lid procedures and in-office procedures be, number one, better options for patients, something where we can really do some amazing things as, as new technology flows into the market there. But also, uh, something that's pretty simple with, with a lower barrier to entry for us, you know, where we're not getting in there and having to buy some incredibly expensive piece of equipment. It's something that we can have for the masses. Uh, but there, there are insurance questions here. You know, if the patient can get this medication, quote unquote, covered by their insurance, but they have a $75 a month copay with a $100 deductible at the beginning and or, you know, they're Part D and they're going to hit the, the donut hole, uh, you know, say September, October, all of a sudden, they drop off treatment for two months, well, that's going to disrupt this entire process. That that disrupts our therapy. So we have to find better ways and better systems and better protocols to treat these patients, keep them on their treatments, uh, and have low cost to system and low inconvenience to patients. And I think we're finally getting some real, real tools there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, really appreciate your insight on all of this. Um, we're I know at IDOC, you, know, you talk about systems and protocols, and we're doing a lot of work here to um, make this service and, and help our members with making this service a a bigger part of of what they offer. And I, and I really look forward to this area, medical eye care in general. But I think one of the more attractive areas is dry eye, and and um, seeing this become a bigger part of the standard of care for more ODs. So Chris, I'm gonna let you get back to healing dry eye in the state of uh, Mississippi and further perfecting your barbecue skills in no particular order there. But just wanted to, uh, again, thank you so much for your time and your insight. And when they asked me to do a, um, a podcast on dry eye, you're your first person I thought of. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you, Chris.